This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. This is episode 702 coming up tomorrow morning and talk to Paul and he breaks down the accidental $10,000 per month side project. Well, heck, how can you stumble into your own accidental 10 grand per month? Be sure to tune in tomorrow morning. Good morning, everybody. My guest this morning is Catherine Minshew. She is the CEO and founder of TheMuse.com, a career platform used by over 50 million folks to find a job, learn professional skills, or advance in their careers, and by hundreds of companies looking to grow their employer brand and to hire. Now, Catherine is a Wall Street Journal and Harvard Business Review contributor, and she's spoken at MIT and Harvard, along with the Today Show and CNN. She's been named a smart CEO's future 50 and Inc.'s 35 Under 35, a Duke alum. Catherine worked in Rwanda with the Clinton Health Access Initiative before founding The Muse and was previously at McKinsey & Company. Catherine, are you ready to take us to the top? I am really excited to be here. Thank you for making the time. So tell us first, for those folks that are not familiar, what is The Muse? And specifically, what's your revenue model? How do you generate money? Yeah. So the Muse was founded to be the most trusted and beloved place for people to navigate their career. Uh, What does that mean? It means we function essentially like a marketplace. We have over 50 million people who use the site every year to find a job, get to that next step, uh, talk to a career coach, get advice, learn a skill, anything that's related to uh, taking charge of your career and and sort of living the life that you want. Um, And then on the other side, we have over 600 companies from uh, Facebook, Drop Slack to HBO, Goldman Sachs, uh, Marriott, um, businesses large and small, and we help them with hiring and employer branding. So the way I like to think about it is, you know, the sort of old way of doing things was a company could just put up a job description and expect that some of the most talented people in the world were going to line right up to come in. That's no longer the case. If you want really great people, you've got to compete for them because everybody else wants them to. And so we help these companies figure out, first of all, what is the story? What is it that they have? to offer great candidates? How do they uh, survey their top people and understand what are the core elements of their employer brand, their value prop to employees? Then how do you tell that story through photo and video, through a Muse profile? Uh, We have a lot of different ways companies can do that, especially kind of once you've gotten these great stories from employees, sharing those to a broader audience. And then finally, how do you distribute that? So how do you make sure that anywhere a company is trying to hire, they have the ability to reach those candidates and to get sort of more context and assets um, in front of those people to help them decide whether working at Goldman Sachs or New York Life or Facebook is the right place for them. Should we think of you more like a LinkedIn recruiter or like a media brand that makes revenue from impressions? Um, we are more of a SaaS company. So it's a, um, I don't know if you've heard the, the sort of word going around New York tech these days, but it's a SaaS enabled marketplace. Um, that's, I think, probably the closest way. We do compete 
fairly directly at times with LinkedIn, um, with Indeed, with Glassdoor. But interestingly, we do also in some ways work well with them. Like we found a lot of companies that will use their Muse assets and, and their Muse platform and embed it or link it to some of these other platforms. And it makes the entire kind of some work better than the individual parts. And so for those that are not familiar with a SaaS-enabled marketplace, right, help us understand and, and give examples in specific in your business, right? What part is the marketplace and what part is the SaaS component? Yeah. So most companies sign up for an annual subscription to the Muse, and that can be anything from, um, you know, four to five figures for an SMB or a small mid-market company, all the way up to six figures for a major Fortune 1000. And that What's includes the average, Catherine. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. So right now, the average is between 20 and 30k. Okay. Um, but the uh, the enterprise number of enterprise deals is rising quite a bit uh, more quickly than yep. our mid market business. So I think you'll continue to see that go up. We're also we look at sort of average by category. Um, and in that case, you obviously see very different things based on the employee count. Of a you company. mean like a financial sector category versus a. No, um, because we work with businesses of all sizes within a specific industry, more like the uh, the employee count of a company. Are they SMB, mid-market, or enterprise? So when you're so categorizing, it's, it's not by industry, it's by team size. Exactly. Industry has other effects on the site, but the biggest one in terms of contract size is simply how large is your company, how big are your recruiting needs. Somebody that has 50,000 employees is going to be radically different than somebody with 500 employees. And obviously you see that everywhere in between. So yeah, back to your question about a SaaS-enabled marketplace. Um, essentially, we have these businesses of various sizes that subscribe to the Muse. It's an annual subscription. And through that, they get a range of different tools. Um, they they have the ability to uh, literally have a profile on the Muse site and hire from our community, but also we give them a number of um, tools, uh, embeddable uh, sort of I don't know, widgets for lack of a better word, I need a better word for that, um, and measurement and analytics. Um, sort of dashboards that allow them to understand how they're doing across uh, different pieces of their recruiting funnel and optimize not just the recruiting they're doing on the Muse, which is the marketplace component, but on their own career site, through their own social channels, et cetera. So the marketplace is literally on themuse.com where companies can post job listings and profiles. And we have, again, this sort of audience of millions that might apply directly. But for us, we realized that we were essentially wanted to build some of these products that we started out focusing on their existence within the marketplace and take those to a much, um, yeah, to a much broader audience. And actually I'll give you one example quickly. Um, we have a business we're working with that has, um, I want to say they have between 50,000 and 150,000 employees. I should know exactly, but who are we talking about? Can you share? No, I'd, okay. I'd rather not. That's um, okay. Some of our larger clients are sensitive if we don't get their explicit approval yep. to you know talk about them in the press. Um, I can also be more candid if I if I haven't identified the client. Um, but they are recruiting for really sought after talent. They need to build up data science, uh, engineering, of course, a wide variety of sort of technical and product related positions. They're having trouble competing with some of these newer and more uh, digitally savvy companies. 
And so not only are they recruiting via the Muse and hiring people through our channels, but they have a pre-existing um, social media presence of tens of thousands. They have a talent community that they're not doing a lot with mm -hmm. that has, um, I think, something north of 100,000 members. So how do we not only help them recruit through the Muse, because we've got a great population, a lot of um, women, a lot of millennials, a lot of digital natives, but how do we also then help them take those lessons and apply it to these existing channels that they may have built up previously as a Fortune 1000 company, but they're not optimizing and, um, and fishing from really effectively. And so are these, um, if any marketplace, right? Everyone talks about chicken and egg, right? And all the analogies for you specifically, uh, did you, did you get the traffic, you know, the 50 million people coming first with content or did you launch as kind of a platform that's really sexy company profiles and then say, Oh my gosh, we have to figure out how to get traffic here. Um, we started with the individual users, the, the people, although, um, in the sort of span of the company's history, they were both started fairly early. So when the Muse, when the Muse initially launched, um, 2011, sort of late 2011, September, we just had career related content tools and resources for individuals. And we didn't roll out our first company profile until we had a hundred thousand people a month using the site. And you, um, were you make, not now, making any money at that point be, or was it? ad driven. No, no, no. We've never had advertising on the site. Okay. Um, I think banner advertising has no place on the muse. Your guys' site is too beautiful to be destroyed by this vomit. Um, so let me ask you the question though, right? So you, you went several years then before you introduced this revenue model, how did you support yourself? where did you get the cash from? Yeah. So we actually had a hundred thousand users a month in about six months. So it was not all that much time. Um, the early cash came from my savings account. Yep. So when I started the business, um, my co-founder and I kind of looked at our bank accounts and we said, all right, based on expenses and uh, things we need to might, you know, set aside for the business, this is how long we can last. And, uh, we got really close to the end. Was that wait, um, Catherine, was that scary? I mean, were you, was that a scary and actually scary position for you or how had you de-risked totally. it? Uh, no, I mean, it was terrifying. Um, Can you quantify you know, it? Like how much did you have in savings and how much did you put in? Like, I mean, were you literally at the brink? Well, so when I left McKinsey, I had $25,000 okay. in savings and, um, I was thinking about possibly starting a business, but I didn't have an idea I was in love with yet. And so I got this offer to move to Rwanda and work for the Clinton health access initiative on vaccine introduction. And that was essentially a net neutral offer. So what they said was, um, we'll give you the flexibility of only working for us for six months and we will give you this incredible, incredible experience. But they said as result, um, we'll pay all of your expenses, fly you there, housing, food, et cetera, but we're not going to pay you a proper salary above and beyond that. Um, it'll just be sort of net neutral. And they were a nonprofit. And I said, that sounds great. I would much prefer to have the flexibility and not have the, the cash. And how old so, were you at this point, Catherine? Uh, 25. Okay. I think, yeah, 24 and a half or 25. So a few years um, out of college at McKinsey, you get this offer 25 in your bank account, a great experience. You take it. Exactly. And I will say when I started at McKinsey, um, I had almost nothing in my bank account, yeah. but I lived as if I was making half of my salary because I knew that I wanted to do something that might not pay a lot of money. I wasn't sure whether it was moving to Africa, uh, whether it was starting a business, whether it was something else entirely, but I've always thought that savings are freedom. And so I said, look, you know, I'm making, um, 65 K a year. And I'm going to live as if I'm making, you know, how 
cheaply can I live in Manhattan? Um, which by the way, is not easy to do. That's I used to not easy. Bars <laughs> and be like, I'll have the tea please. And I was notorious for just being honestly, super I'm cheap. soda water. Um, I'm still soda water. Exactly. But you know what? Like every, um, Every time you do that, you're putting away money for your future. And that's how I looked at it. So I had 25K. Uh, when I came back from Rwanda, I still had about 25K. I think I had 24K because I'd done a little bit of traveling. Um, and I started working on actually a business that was pre-Muse, but it was a very similar idea. We created a content platform for professional women. And um, that was where we laid a lot of the groundwork and said, wait a second, there's this huge need for individual candidates who are thinking about and sorry, not even candidates, humans, people that are thinking, what do I want out of my career? Um, how do I be a better manager? Can I put an emoji in a workplace email? And does that make me seem young or junior or is it casual and fun? And how do I think about navigating these sort of workplace rules? And so we were building up this content site and we realized that um, firstly, people were incredibly hungry for what we were offering. And secondly, that there was an opportunity to do something with employers that would feel so much more human than uh, what was on Honestly, frankly, the case on most classic job search sites like an indeed or these other things with no story or emotion. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. even today, in most cases, you are confronted when you go to those sites by a giant blank search box. Yep. You have to type something in and you'll get 3,724 results and they all look the same. What sort of, ex I mean, I'll get off my soapbox, but I am offended that for so long that was considered adequate for one of the most personal and important decisions in someone's life, which is what are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your career? And anyway, I, I won't go all the way down the rabbit hole, but I really felt like there was an opportunity to change that. So and how so, much of that 25k did you put in the business? Um, so I spent about 20k on living expenses um, with the first company, which was effectively research in some yep. senses. I mean, I didn't spend it on research. I spent it on rent and food yep. and um, paying for a metro card so I could get around New York. But um, I had about 5k left. And to make a long story short, we had, there were four of us that started that first kind of project slash business, started as a project, became a business. Um, we had two very different visions. And so Alex and I, my current co-founder to this day, sort of split off. The other two took that and made it um, kind of something different, took it in a different direction. And we started the Muse. And I had about 5K left, which frankly was terrifying because firstly, um, I was spending, my living expenses were as cheap as I could possibly get them. I had moved out to Brooklyn. Um, How much per still, month? Probably $1,800 all in. So your three months um, runway. Exactly. And rent was half of that. Um, everything else was like blood, sweat, and ramen. And, um, and so, yeah, we, but we felt like we had to start with the users. So we put up, uh, the user side of the platform of the marketplace first, and we attracted, which is what is this just people. Catherine? Is this just you writing? No. Um, it's funny. I didn't start the muse because I knew all the answers. I started it because I knew all the questions and I needed the answers. Mm -hmm. So I wrote very infrequently in the beginning, but I sourced a lot of the best advice and I knew Got where it. to find it. So we went out and tapped a broad community. Uh, we didn't have any money. We weren't paying ourselves much less writers at that point, but we said, look, um, we can build an audience and we are building an audience of mostly women who are thinking about what is that next step in my career? And if you have expertise or you want to help other people follow the path that you followed, then we'd love to invite you to contribute to the site. And so the first version of the site was, um, we probably had about 
50 articles or so, uh, career advice, skill building, links out to other resources. And we launched our first job listing about a month later. Uh, it was a test. We did it with a little known Silicon Valley startup called Uber that had about 50 employees at the time. And uh, we decided to see if we could get them some hires from our platform. Do you make money and off the hire like a typical recruiting firm does? So in that first arrangement, we were supposed to, we don't anymore. It's okay. just the SaaS platform. Okay. Uh, but in that first one, I think we made $600 off of the um, <laughs> sort of, you know, email and sort of work that we did. And then there was a, I forget it was 2000 or $2,500 success fee. Unfortunately, uh, Uber made two offers from the Muse and both people turned down those jobs. So we didn't get the success money, but the caliber of people who came through was so high that we felt like we had proved we were onto something. So fast uh -huh. forward to today, this was 2011, you started it. You have two, two of you, two of you co-founded. By, by the way, do you split 50, 50? Uh, no, not how'd that, how'd so, that conversation go? Um, it was honestly not that bad. I mean, here's the thing. So there were three of us in the early days. Um, Alex and I were kind of all in full time. And then Melissa was a, um, she had been at McKinsey with us. She was accepted to a PhD in cancer biology. And we were trying to convince her to put that PhD on hold to come and do the business. And what we ended up deciding was she had a smaller percentage and she, um, actually worked on the muse and did her PhD first year full time, then put the PhD on pause was full-time on the Muse for a year and now is back doing her PhD, not active in the business. Um, but I'm actually in her wedding as a bridesmaid in a couple months. So that's amazing. Yeah. She's, she's incredible. So she's still on the, um, still on the cap table then. Yes, yeah. exactly. Got yeah. It. Um, and then Alex and I, we had gone full-time and taken on risk in slightly different ways. So, I mean, it's a tough conversation. Anytime you're talking about equity, um, it's not something I would do for fun ever, Gosh, no. but at the same time, um, you know, we both, uh, we both came to it with, we want to work together. Mm -hmm. Um, we want to make this happen. We want to get somewhere that feels fair to both of us. And I was never going to feel perfect to both of us. Right. But it needs to feel tolerable to both of us. Um, and so it's, it's close, um, to being even, but there was small differences based on again, how much risk, how long each of us had been sort of without another full-time job, um, because we left our roles at different times. And I think we got to a place that we felt pretty good about. That's great. Um, we have Catherine, we have a yeah. few minutes left. So again, equity, there's someone that was early with you have a very small portion. And then you guys basically split the rest basically equal with some tweaks to make it fair. Talk to me about funding. You raised capital. How much? Yeah. So we raised, uh, gosh, we raised about a hundred K in January of 2012. Um, plus we got into Y Combinator. So that came with about $170,000. That was uh, our first seed funding. It was very hard one. Uh, we ended up over the last couple of years raising over $28 million. So we've had a little better luck with, uh, fundraising, but the sort of first three and a half years of the Muse's life were, um, were pretty lean. It was seed funding, bootstrapping, making revenue here and there. Our, our product we've charged for, for employers from the very beginning, because we didn't feel like we had a choice to go with a freemium model. That said, we always wanted it to be free to individual users. So that was really important to us. And then we raised a $10 million series A in um, spring of 2015, and then a $16 million series B last spring slash summer. So, so it's almost a year from that last race. So you're either in fundraising mode right now, or indeed has a $50 million offer on the table to acquire you. Which one is it? <laughs> 
Basically, when you're in a business that makes a lot of money, you don't quite have to burn so fast as companies that uh, that rely on investors to keep them afloat. So we're in we're in great shape. Are you flat, are you break even or close to it? Um, no, but we've been at sort of closer or farther at various points, and we mm-hmm. have a fair amount of control based on how fast we want to grow, what we want to invest in, whether we want to let that gap get further or narrower. And I think that um, again, your burn rate is that the gap you're talking yes, about? Yeah. Exactly. Um, and there's lots of different ways to build a business. So I'm I'm kind of skeptical of people who claim to have found the one true path. Um, but I think for us, it's been really helpful to have structured the business in such a way that um, you know our customers pay for. For a fair point of our growth, and we can use venture capital really to accelerate, not to sort of support. Uh, yeah, exactly, to support. How many uh, employers are you working with today as paying customers? I think it's about six hundred uh, okay. active on annual subscriptions. Um, you say active. That, I'm either I'm going to read into that and say either some people have started and then stopped, uh, or they're just it's a seasonal business. Uh, uh, if they've stopped, why have they stopped? The ones that weren't happy. Yeah. So um, companies that have stopped, sometimes they go out of business. We actually, we joke (laughs) that we should, um, we would never do this by the way, but we joke that we, we basically know sometimes when somebody's getting acquired. Um, We didn't realize this pattern at the beginning, but we will regularly have companies, especially again, tech companies, up and coming companies that will suddenly email out of the blue. We think that they're very happy and they'll email out of the blue and say, "Uh, I need my profile to come down. And we used to just freak out because we thought, what's wrong? I love the service. Churn. Um, And inevitably, you know, four to 12 weeks later, they get acquired. Um, So that's the reason. We also, in fairness, because the... um, the By the way, that's valuable information if you're an investor. I know. Yeah. That's why I was joking. We would never actually publicize <laughs> yeah. that. But it is funny internally. Um, sometimes we just we have our suspicions. Yep. Um, and then of course because our product is, you know, it's it's a marketplace, um, it depends to some extent. Like some employers are better or worse or figuring out like how do they actually successfully market themselves to candidates? Yep. So occasionally we have companies that are like, you know, we only want to hire iOS developers. Um, and some companies do that very successfully on the Muse and others really struggle. And it honestly depends. Like, can you make a case for why an iOS developer with a lot of good options would want to come work at your business? If you can, great, they're out there. If you can't, you're going to have a harder time. 600 customers times an average selling price of about 30 grand per year puts you at somewhere above 18 million. Is that, am I doing the math correctly? I don't comment on our active revenue, but uh, we have a wide range of, of kind of customer sizes and types. Um, so yeah, you'll have to wait till the next uh, reporter scoop to figure out whether you're right or not. You guys will have to come on and watch the YouTube video and judge Catherine's smile when I ask that question to figure out what the real number is. So guys, I'm so glad to be back in Austin. I just got back from a major tour of Southeast Asia, went to Sydney, Bangkok, Bali, and Japan. And you know, I always get sick when I travel. And this particular trip, my gosh, 15 different airports, 20 different hotels. I mean, imagine flushing in airport bathrooms. I was worried about germs and getting all the nutrition I need. I mean, finding a restaurant in Japan, difficult because nothing's in English. So it's hard enough to figure out the train system. But my point is, I had a guy named Drew Cannoli on the show who said, Nathan, if you're concerned about that, take these little green packets with you. You just mix them once per day with water. They'll keep you super healthy. You get all your nutrients and they'll keep you from getting sick. So I took them and guys, they worked unbelievably well. I got no sickness, just mixed them with water once per day. They didn't make my water bottles all sticky. That's like nice. A lot of these mixers, they make them sticky. It was very clean and smooth. Took them once per day, never got sick. So they've got 11 superfoods, 
And they're perfect if you're not traveling, but you're just on the go from your office to work. So you can check them out at nathanlatka.com forward slash juice. That's nathanlatka.com forward slash juice. Let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, I, uh, I love the hard thing about hard things. That's probably one you get all the time. I also read a book called traction recently, um, by a guy named Gino Wickerman, which is anyway, such an odd name stuck with me that I really enjoyed about some of the basics of running a business and for small businesses. But I think it's interesting for people that are scaling as well. And you've just launched your new book. Tell us about it real quick. Yeah, uh, it's called The New Rules of Work. It came out uh, the week before last with uh, Crown Business, Penguin Random House. Super excited. Uh, reviews have been great. It's essentially a A to Z guide to the modern workplace. So how do you figure out what you want to do, go out and get that job, and then succeed, uh, manage up, delegate, be more productive, all of the things you need to do to sort of effectively navigate the uh, 21st century workplace. The new rules of work. We'll link to that in the show notes. Number two, Catherine, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, I follow and study a huge number of CEOs. Um, no one that's sort of above all, I would say everything from, um, I think, uh, Let's see. Jennifer um, at Rent the Runway is doing some super interesting stuff right now. Um, Elon Musk is probably on everyone's list. Um, there's a company called Endella. Jeremy Johnson's the CEO. He's fantastic. I'm very biased. Um, and uh, I don't know. That's probably three. I'll, I'll leave it at three. Okay. And then number three of five here, your favorite online tool like Acuity Scheduling. Oh, um, so I love Boomerang by Biden, which lets you pop emails out of your inbox and bring them back. And then I'm going to cheat and give you a second, which is Pocket, because I love, I'm a voracious reader. I absolutely, and I'm just very curious. Like I, I just love stuff. I love knowing things. I love reading, thinking, discussing, and yet it can be really distracting in the middle of the workday when a great article gets emailed to you or something. So I save it uh, to Pocket and it just automatically uploads to my phone. And then I can read it on the subway or an airplane or something like that. Number four, Catherine, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Seven. Okay. Uh, it varies. I actually, I need more sleep. I'm not one of those people that's like, I can get by on four. Um, I'm really unhappy if I get less than about six and a half. Yep. So I try and average, you know, between six and a half and seven and a half. Some weeks I do better. Some weeks I do worse. And then take us home here with the last one. Take us back to your 20 year old self. What do you wish that Catherine knew? Um, I wish she knew it was okay to be different. I stressed out a lot about being, you know, a bit of an odd duck growing up. And I wish she knew that, uh, everything worth doing is hard. And so persistence and grit are probably two of the most useful things. Um, and I think uh, I'm really grateful to, um, sort of the way I grew up, we didn't have a ton of money, but I really figured out how to kind of just handle, you know, situations as they're dealt and keep on going. And that's been so helpful. And so I think 20 year old Catherine would have enjoyed knowing that it's going to work out. Okay. There you guys have it from Catherine founder of the muse. It is okay to be different. Everything will work out. Okay. Again, came out, uh, was working McKinsey, $65,000 salary, saved up about 25 grand because she was really smart at managing expenses. Then went on an amazing journey with the, the Clinton Foundation out in Rwanda doing great work, came back, launched the company, put about five grand in, which is basically all she had because she spent the other 20 grand on living expenses in New York. The Muse is now, again, growing super fast. Over 50 million active folks there annually. Again, connecting with brands and brands creating great company profiles, over 600 employers 
are using the Muse. Uh, again, average selling price for those contracts to work with the Muse between 20 and 30 grand for a specific cohort uh, per year. And again, launched in 2011. Catherine, thank you so much for taking us to the top. All right, thanks so much. If you enjoyed Catherine today, go back and listen to yesterday's episode where the smart desk king breaks down how he sold 10 million of his smart desk. You know, the ones that go up and down, you can stand, you can sit. It's very intelligent. Go listen to that one now. It would mean the world to me if you guys got any value from this episode, if you would go leave a review on iTunes right now and then subscribe. You know, I hustle like heck to get these episodes out every freaking day for you guys. And trust me, I love it. I would do it with no listeners. But boy, oh boy, it makes my day and it makes my team's day when we see great reviews and get your feedback. So thanks so much. Okay, Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's hostgator.com forward slash Nathan.